Welcome to Shenanigans, where we're going to have the what's what, the who's who, talk a little shit, and delve into all the details of what's going on in our amazing state of Wyoming. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Travis. Let's roll. So how's your week been? Uh, you know, it's been good, busy, dealing with lots of people I don't want to deal with. But how, how was your week? Yeah, yeah, well, it's been good, except for this fucking wind. Yeah. Literally, I think in any other place in the world, if there was weather like this, it would be considered a hurricane. Oh, yeah. Definitely. A tornado. Mm-hmm. People would be putting boards up on their windows and not leaving the house. And we're all, oh, yeah, come on, my little two-year-old. Let's get you to daycare. I know you weigh 24 pounds. You're probably just going to blow away. But, you know, that's just how it is here. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, even coming over here, I parked and my driver's side door is facing the, the west. So it's facing where the wind is coming from. I could barely even open it. it was, yeah. I had to force myself out of my own car. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't. Sometimes I wonder why I even live here. Why do we live here? Uh, my wife, Hannah, she says that all the time. Just every day. <laughs> you know, she's been searching for houses the last couple of weeks and, you know, because we've been waiting to get a mortgage and tax stuff and all that. Every single day, she's just like, oh, you know, hey, there's a, there's two acres of land and a house, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Florida, and it's only $200,000, which is actually way cheaper than normal houses here. So yeah, she really wants to move. Yeah, yeah. she does. <laughs> But I don't know what it is. For some reason, Wyoming, to me, Cheyenne specifically, just feels like home. And and I don't get it because we didn't grow up here. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of, but not really. But but whenever I think of home, this is where I think of. So I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it is kind of uh, almost a, a safe space, you know, yeah. in, in a sense. Well, it's funny because in 2019... Right before a whole bunch of stuff happened. (laughs) Hannah and I, we went on a spring break vacation back to California. We went to San Diego originally, and then we went up north to Ventura. Yeah. And we went back there, and it was, I mean, the beach was just beautiful. It was great. All the farms were still there. In fact, we even went to Taper Circle, where we used to live. Oh, yeah. And there's still the uh, the strawberry farm on... The one side. uh, Yeah, the east side. And then the lettuce farm a little bit north of that. And uh, having quite a bit of troubles there. Yeah, well, it just feels <laughs> like it's falling. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, going back to California, it was really nice. But I have to agree, it didn't feel like home anymore for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, me and Corey lived in Gillette for a little bit, and I mean, it was nice and everything. I mean, it was not a whole lot different than here, but it just didn't have the same feeling. It's, when we came back here, I was like, okay, we're home. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. But. Yeah, I think it has something to do with the the population overall. Maybe I don't know because it's only like sixty thousand people. Well, probably seventy thousand now. I feel like it's one of those things. It's like your mom's house or something. You know what all the weird sounds are, and you know you have to bang the cabinet two times to get the door to open or something. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever's familiar is coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on this week in Wyoming? So I do want to talk about a couple of things. First thing I want to talk about is, have you heard about our wonderful district attorney, Leanne Manlove? Uh, you know, the name, uh, when I first heard it, I thought it was just kind of a joke. Just because Manlove, I don't know, just a weird <laughs> last name. But, uh, but the first time I had seen some of the things that have gone on in the last couple of weeks... My general approach to this is when all this COVID stuff started happening in 2020, she basically just came out and I don't know if it was incompetence or laziness or she was fighting back against whatever was going on. But basically, basically she came out and said this mask mandate that the governor installed 
I'm not going to prosecute anyone for disobeying it. I'm not going to you know, pursue anyone. It's not going to be something that the state of Wyoming is going to pursue because we either don't have the budget. That was the official reasoning or we're just we just don't want to do it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love that she did that because the mask thing was stupid, but I think it, it's more of she's so lazy mm-hmm. and so doesn't even want to be there that she wouldn't prosecute anything. So my, my issue with her is that she is not prosecuting a child sex predators. She's just letting them, she's just letting them roam the streets. Like, eh, no, I, we don't have the budget. We'll just let them roam free. I mean, as the district attorney, isn't one of her jobs to keep the psychos at bay. Well, I would, I would definitely assume so. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's just crazy. I know somebody personally who's, child was assaulted by somebody they they got all the evidence they they you know took her to the doctor did everything they were supposed to do filed it with me leanne's office and she came back and said no i don't think i'm gonna prosecute him but i am gonna go ahead and file charges on you the mom for endangering your child what what is she doing i don't like that because if you are going to use the excuse of you don't have the proper budget to do whatever it is, whether it's you know something that you see that you personally see as not justifiable in terms of the masks, or that does come down through the pipe that is a legitimate you know police instance in terms of rape or anything like that, and then you're going you're going to say I don't have the money to prosecute these people, but then you're going to turn around and then prosecute the people that came forward to you for the thing, saying that you're wasting government resources. It's coming full circle, basically. Yeah. And it's I like mean, you're still wasting the resources. <laughs> I, I just, I look at her and I, I listen to her speak and she's just so mad all the time and just so pissy. And if, if you look at her, like in the last 10 years, she's probably put on 50 pounds too. So it's like, I don't know if she's just too busy eating bonbons to do anything else at her office. I don't know what's going on, but it's like we elected her to be our district attorney. So how do we unelect her? Well, I mean, in terms of recalling, there's only very specific positions that you can recall. In fact, governor, I don't believe is subject to a recall. I don't know if the DA is someone you can actually recall. I'd have to look into that. But there's only very certain positions that you can do in a formal recall and either vote or, or whatever the case is. And it varies per state. Of course, governor in California, they recalled him and then they held a new election. And whether it was legitimate or not, he's still governor. So, right. you know, that's something. But in terms of district attorney, they're usually positions that fly under the radar for the most part. So a lot of the positions that have come up over the last two, three years, mainly with COVID and all this nonsense, people are asking all these questions and there's nothing that, that you can do about it from a citizen point of view other than just wait for another election cycle, run against them, smear them in the media, you know? I mean, yeah. There's not much that the average citizen can do for a lot of the positions, specifically in Wyoming. That's unfortunate. In terms of the proper way to go about it, I think is just kind of bringing more attention to it, things you don't agree with, because unfortunately, even if you are tuned in to Wyoming politics, things like that can still fall through the cracks. Because there's so many different avenues to pay attention to of what's happening in either the legislature or with the state senate or with the governor and the executive orders and the school boards. I mean, there's there's so many different avenues. And Wyoming, it's kind of a good thing because Wyoming doesn't have a very big population. But because we don't have a big population, there's actually less people and less groups available to yeah. fight these very specific instances and kind of hold them accountable. So, right. 
Well, they had, so they had a hearing at the Wyoming State Bar, I guess, mm-hmm. back in February. It was like a seven day long hearing with her and they had former employees that worked for her get up there. And I mean, everybody hates her. And at the end of it, they decided that they were recommending her to be disbarred. So if you're, if they end up and the Wyoming Supreme Court is the one who ultimately decides if she gets disbarred. Mm-hmm. But let's say they come back and say, yeah, she's disbarred. Can she still be, since she's elected, is she still the district attorney if she's disbarred? Honestly, I don't know. Because it is an elected position, similar to like the state coroner or something like that, you don't necessarily have to have any type of degree or anything to be in that position. Disbarring, I don't think she would actually be able to bring cases. If she was disbarred, she basically be the deciding factor on bringing charges against someone or not against someone. And what that would mean is whoever her second-in-command is or whatever, they would essentially do the interim role as acting district attorney. They would bring charges against people or they would decide who to file against. But the actual position, I think, would still be... So she would basically get to sit in her office, eat her bonbons, and do nothing. As as far as I know... And um, still get paid. Well, I mean, theoretically, yes. But I'm sure there's contingencies for that kind of stuff of, you know, if you're not... But again, maybe it isn't because, again, it is an elected position. I don't know if the disbarring is something that is kind of a like a private disbarring or if the disbarring is specifically for her in the district attorney role. So that would be something I'd be very curious about because I, I just don't know. Because, I mean, if she still gets to stay in her position, get paid, but, but then she can't do anything. I mean, it sounds like basically what she's doing now. Right. So, I mean, really, either way, for her, it works out great. Exactly. Yeah. And that's stupid. There needs to be something. I mean, we, we've got to look into this. I just can't picture that. Okay, you're disbarred now. You are terrible at what you do. Officially, you can no longer do that. <laughs> but because you were voted into office, go ahead and just here's your office and go ahead and do your thing for the remaining however long of your term. And, and we'll just uh, keep direct depositing that money into your account every month. I mean, to me, it. It's almost similar to what happens to police officers. So when they do get leave with pay or, I mean, there's a whole bunch of conditions that police officers can fall into as well. If they're under an investigation or if they are like hurt in the line of duty or kind of a similar thing, like they're technically not out in the field. They're not allowed to really do anything for police work in general, but they're still getting paid. And yeah, how do I sign up for that? Yeah, basically, I, yeah. I, I mean, that's great. I would really like to work somewhere where I, they can just be like, okay, uh, we don't really know what's going to happen. Go ahead and go home. We're going to pay you. We're, you're still going to get all your salary, all your benefits, but you're not going to do jack shit. How do I get that job? Basically, be any kind of professor or teacher or be some kind of government official or, uh, or police officer. Huh. And just be in with, you know, the, the very corrupt unions and, and all those types of things. Because then, yeah, you know, they're... Not, I mean, that yeah. literally sounds like my dream job. Yeah. I mean, if I could make a list of all the things I want in a job, pay, no stress, no deadlines, no going to an office, no checking any emails, no writing reports, basically 100% no effort, but you still get the money. That's what I want to do. For that, COVID... When everything happened in March of 2020, when they sent everyone home, that was basically what a lot of people did for the majority of, I mean, because, you know, I was working for an insurance company at the time and I was considered essential personnel. (laughs) And so, of course, I had to come into the office, but everyone else got to just stay home and basically do maybe 
an hour or two worth of work and then they could just basically go about their day. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, it was kind of a huge wake up call for a lot of people because you kind of realize that there's a lot of these positions that are being paid very high salaries and they're really not doing much. And you're paying for all this infrastructure and all this overhead. And it's like, well, we don't even really need that because you can send 90% of your workforce home and the job still gets done apparently for going yeah, two years. It's like the movie office or yeah. office space or whatever. Yeah. And he's, yeah, I do about 15 minutes of actual yeah. <laughs> work during the day. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I got screwed during the pandemic too. I worked for a doctor. So we, uh, we kept the show going. Right. Well, and I mean, it was kind of nice to be considered essential personnel because they sent 90% of the building home. I guess I'm going to keep some information of what actually was going on private, but <laughs> it's something to where, you know, for the most part, they had like a gym in their building and everything. So I, I would get there at 5 a.m., work out, start work at 5.45, 6 a.m. I would literally be done with my entire day's worth of work at maybe 9 a.m. <laughs> and it was like, okay, well, I really feel like going home now, you know? Right. So I, I did a whole bunch of other stuff. I did a lot of research into, you know, nutrition and politics and watching certain commentators that were covering the developing COVID pandemic and all that. I mean, for me, it was great. Yeah, you um, damn near got a doctorate in all these yeah. all these subjects just because, yeah, you had nothing to do. Oh, yeah. And eventually it turned into a thing where I realized this wasn't going to end anytime soon. So maybe like a month into it, I was, you know, I was just like, well, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it got to be 1030 and it's like, okay, well, done with my day. I'm right. heading back out, you know. <laughs> I want to spend time with my wife, yeah. my then girlfriend, you know, and my dog. And, you know. But were you getting paid for the whole day? Absolutely. See, that's the, that's the best thing ever. So why, I mean, why do we work so much if really we can just do everything we need to do in two hours anyway? There's a very long history of that. But really, it's because during the Industrial Revolution, certain processes had filled a certain amount of time. So all your productivity was based on time because the machines can only move so fast and all right. these things can only go so so quickly. And so what happened, especially with a great example is like Ford Motor Company. So they came up with the assembly line concept and based on the amount of hours you could work, they saw that there was a productivity that you could achieve things you can rivet or how many engines you can put together or, you know, how many you know washers you can place on a thing, you know, because it's an assembly line. So you're literally just doing one thing all day. Right. So... The assembly line made it much more efficient to have a time-based compensation model. But now it's at the point with computers and just the speed of things and just what you can do where the at least 50% of jobs should be on a productivity-based model rather than a time yes. you know, model. Because for like insurance, literally I can do everything I need to do. Everything's on the computer. It's all just processes. And so I can I can process, you know, a hundred. I had to, I, I was an underwriter, so I basically had to review a certain amount of policies prior to their renewal within a certain time of their renewal. So on an average day, there were maybe 30 or 40 policies that are within that time limit of renewing. But I can't go past that and I can't go behind it because if I fall behind, well, then laws and you know, yeah. mailings and stupid things. And so literally... It was something to where I had that to do, and then I had to process new applications. I had to determine risk. I had to like do all these things. And with the speed of computers and everything I was able to do, literally it took me maybe an hour and a half to do all of my job. Whereas in an average day before COVID, I had to stretch I I literally had to stretch that out over eight hours. Yeah. My boss is right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think in so many jobs that is happening and 
the group of people that's a little bit younger than us has figured this out and, and everyone's like, Oh, they're so lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want. And I think there is maybe some truth in that, but even more, I just, I think that they figured out it doesn't take 40 hours a week to get what they need to get done accomplished. And that, you know, they can use all this other time to do other things. So I, I don't know that it's a bad thing. I think maybe it shows they're, they're consolidating their time. Even something like this, this recording, this podcast, it's the amount of computing power that's in computers now and the amount that you can do and all the software and everything that's in there. Literally, it, it has made things so easy to where the only jobs that really need to be time-based are manual labor jobs because yes. you can only work so fast with your hands, with construction, with things that have like setting periods like concrete and, and all that. If you're doing something that is either commission-based or, you know, a certain number of sales. Yeah. I mean, I've known a lot of salesmen to where they work one day a week and they yeah. met their quota. And so they don't really have to do anything. Yeah. Well, which it, it does bring me to the other issue that is, that is going on here though. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. they have reduced hours. Mm-hmm. You wait forever to get a freaking skinny vanilla latte that you really have been wanting all day long. Double pump. Yeah. <laughs> so it is kind of frustrating because I'm like, I, I still want all my stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to be the solution? Well, I mean, really the, the solution is if we could go back in time, COVID to never happen because then you don't have the realization of everything that has been the last like, you know, two and a half years of, yeah, you can work from home and still get 99% of your job done. You can, the government will just hand out checks willy nilly. And apparently there's no, uh, you know, consequences. That's no inflation. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, COVID never to have happened and people not to have realized that they can spend 10% actually focusing on their job. And then the rest of the 90% teenagers no longer want to really work. I mean, that's no. the reason why a lot of fast food places here, I mean, Dairy Queen still doesn't, hasn't opened their lobby. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> open like, like literally now from like, we're open from 9 a.m. to 10, 13 a.m. Yep. yep. Come by or. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it, it makes everything so much worse because nothing is designed to have these incredibly long drive-through lines and everything. Cause I mean, you know, again, kind of going back to Dairy Queen, their drive-through typically goes out into the street yes. so it impedes traffic and it like does all this stuff but they don't have the staff to get through the line quick enough but people are still wanting to do the same thing that they've done for however yeah. long and it's this really weird it's just like in the 70s when they invented a word called stagflation there needs to be a new word for what has happened to the economy as of right now because let's make that word up i i don't know what it would be though. i don't know we're gonna we're gonna brainstorm that okay So the word meaning people want to not work as much, get all the same stuff Mm -hmm. and not have to wait. Yes. They either don't see the need or the capability to adjust their lifestyle because everything has been on demand for so long. I mean, Amazon in between 2010 and 2019 or 2020, I guess. I mean, really, that was when Amazon came. I mean, they developed their own shipping process. They no longer used FedEx or USPS That's anymore. True. They did all this stuff to bring you these items. I mean, even items so we're quickly. using right now, yeah, yeah. I mean, within like a day or two. And you, you can just go to 
whatever it is. I mean, I mean, I'm surprised grocery stores even kind of exist in the same fashion that they do because so few people cook meals and do all the stuff. It's typically fast food and even Uber Eats and DoorDash and well, all those I things. Even, so once we get going in our podcast, this would be the portion where we had a paid advertisement. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and plug every plate because... Speaking of which, I, I use every plate. It's a meal oh. delivery service. And so right to my door, hmm. they deliver all these meals that I picked out. And all I have to do is, like, put them together and cook them. Oh. But they're all together. I mean, they, they even send you, like, cute little cream cheeses. And you know what I mean? And it's awesome. You just pick what you want. It, mm -hmm. it gets delivered to my door every Friday. Boom. Dinners. Don't even have to go to the grocery store. Well, exactly. I mean, that's something. I mean, my wife and I, we still... I almost exclusively still go to the grocery store, but you're a creature of habit. Well, yeah, and I mean, I like to. I mean, I still wash my vegetables and you know baking soda and yes. solution. I mean, I'm you know I'm all I like my food a certain way. You don't but... have kids yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One on the way though. So. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm, but I'm I'm gonna laugh because like the first week that you bring this little baby home and. She's shitting and puking and crying everywhere, and you guys are exhausted and stuff. And you're like, "Honey, will you go baking soda in my vegetables?" And she's like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> and then that's your end. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Well, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely gonna be some you know huge adjustments that we're gonna have to make. But even I mean, that's a very realistic thing that happens to a lot of families. You know, they do have yeah. one or multiple kids and it is very overwhelming because job demands don't necessarily go away. With all this technology kind of around you and in your face all the time, you still feel the need. You still want to play video games, be on Facebook and do all these things. And because it does take time, it takes time away from doing all these other things. That yeah. even even twenty years ago you would still have 100% availability with making food and, and being either kind of maybe a more traditional housewife or something like that because you didn't have all these constant distractions that do just kind of take your time. And I don't know how many times I've been scrolling through Facebook and there's all these you know videos that come up of these motivational speakers or Tony Robbins or something. And he's just, he's pointing out the fact of like this thing that you're currently watching me on right now is wasting your time. Right. It's sucking your life from you. and yet. You just scroll past it and do another video, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, you know, dash cam footage. Duly noted. Yeah. It's like, thanks. That was great. I was enlightened for half a second. And yeah. Moving on. Yeah. I just, so ultimately I just, I don't know what's going to happen to the food service industry or mm -hmm. any of those things. Cause why, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to work there? What? 40, 50 hours a week for rude people. To come in, demand you do this, you know, mm -hmm. better, faster, whatever. How can we motivate people to still want to do that? Well, I mean, the only motivation tool that has, the only motivation tool that exists, well, there's two. So there's two motivation tools. One, uh, the threat of violence. So <laughs> slavery, basically. That I mean, that's, I mean, there's a lot of people that were threatened to do a lot of work. And basically it's True. like, do this or I'm going to beat you and or kill you and or hurt your family. Because, that would be motivating. Yeah, yeah. You know, because <laughs> even on plantations, I mean, they were able to have, you know, family units. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was like the husband or, or the husband and the wife, you know, would during the day kind of go out to do their duties for the family. And anyway, not to get into slavery or anything, but <laughs> just brush over that. But, <laughs> but, you know, the second motivating factor is compensation. Right. And and now, again, that is like COVID made this, made this so much worse because 
before COVID, earning $13, $14, $15 an hour, it's like, okay, well, that that kind of is, you can justify that, especially if you are a teenager, if you don't really have too many skills. You can work right. 40 hours a week and a couple hundred dollars in your paycheck. It's not too bad. And now it doesn't get you anything. Oh, no. I mean, now, I mean, I was doing the math. For a minute, I was kind of looking on Indeed and, and these other job application sites. And that's, you know, you see advertisements for $20, $22 an hour. And I remember in 2015, when I was working for Schlumberger in, I'm blanking it, but like out in the fields of Yeah, like the getting, oil field yeah, thing, yeah. yes. And, uh, you know, I was earning $18 an hour plus overtime. Yeah, it felt like you were bringing in the bucks. I, I did. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and adjusting of how to be basically the breadwinner for the home and be able, or, you know, for the family and then be able to afford a home, just basic things like food, car insurance, life insurance. I'm just like, I need to make minimum $33 per hour. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. Which even just two years ago, when I accepted a job offer with the company that I'm with right now, yeah. when they first offered it to me, even back in November of 2021, it was different. It was like, oh, okay, you know, $42,000. Okay. I can live on that. Right. You know, I can, I can make that work. Yeah. And now just like four months later, I'm just like, nope, I got to double that. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, literally. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, me and Corey both work. There's no way we could not. Right. I mean, mm. granted, I have like a million kids, you know, so that right. adds to the expenses and stuff. <laughs> but I mean, there's no way. I mean, I would never want to stay home anyway. That's just not really me. Right. But but even if I did, I, I'm shit out of luck. That ain't happening. Right, right. It's, it's like electricity, stay home. Well, yeah. You know, because everything is so much more now. It's just, it's mm. crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, and speaking of electricity... The last month that Hannah and I were in our rental before our landlord decided to sell the house, which thanks, that was great. Um, <laughs> just right after we signed basically you a new rock. Yeah. <laughs> it was super fun to just have that and a whole bunch of other stress in my life. But the last month we were there, which was February, it was a really cold month. And so place was a little drafty and, you know, didn't have the best heat insulation. The last month we were there, our, we got our energy bill and it was, you know, normally it was like 80 Eighty-five dollars. Yeah, it was two hundred and thirty dollars. Right. I mean, it more than doubled in price. Yeah. In in just one month, it's not like we were cranking up the heat or anything. We were just doing what we normally do. I could just see you like, okay, can I not eat organic this week? Because <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pay this electricity bill. We're gonna have to eat regular bananas, honey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. At this point, with like some of the things I have, so I have pet insurance like pet health insurance <laughs> yes because you have an accident prone dog yeah because <laughs> he just hurts himself every five minutes luckily now he's older maybe maybe it was just a young thing maybe yeah because he hasn't hurt himself in a while but it's something to where now i'm legitimately contemplating i'm like do i need a health pet insurance right yes. or, or should i pay the electricity bill yeah yes. <laughs> yeah it's sad it's, it's sad yeah and i mean so all this stuff happens you need to make more and more and more money but where, where does, I mean, at what point do we hit like a ceiling? When is this going to be over, this this inflation bullshit? I mean, where do we, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, so theoretically, yes. In actuality, no. Because, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> which, yeah, great news, yeah. Um, so theoretically, there is, because the currency supply and, and inflation markers and all this stuff is controlled well, by, by two things, but 
the the main part of it is controlled by the Federal Reserve, which even though it has the name federal in it, it's not a part of our government. It has no jurisdiction really. It's just a group of the ultra, like I mean, the top That's one like false advertising. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can name your company. FedEx? Yeah. Is Federal Express? Yeah. They just came up with that name. Let's make this Federal Shyanigans. Yeah, Federal Podcast. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> like, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. Right? And so uh, so they named it, you know, the, the Federal Reserve. And what they do is they control the supply of currency. So it's not money, it's currency. So, because money actually has value, whereas currency is just, you know, monopoly money is currency. Right. You know, it, it may have value to someone. I mean, to, to a four-year-old, it definitely has value. Yes. But it has no intrinsic value. So I like the piece of paper, I can't do anything with that paper. Gold and silver, you can make things out of. You can make jewelry. You can, I mean, now industrial uses. I mean, literally right. these microphones and the computer and all this stuff, it has gold and silver in it because that's how you conduct electricity and that's how you move it. So what the Federal Reserve does is they either pump out currency or they reduce the supply of currency. Right. And they do this through what's called a an interest rate. What's been happening recently is actually since, oh man, I think like 2008, 2009, they've essentially lowered the interest rate of the currency that they lend out to banks at, at zero. So it's essentially costed nothing for the last, I don't know, 12, 14 years now to borrow money and like do all these things for banks. You know, it still costs us something because the banks, you know, if, if they're getting money for free, they're going to charge you for Well, yeah, they're not going to give nothing yeah. away. <laughs> so... And so the Federal Reserve, that's what they do. They put all these numbers, they put all these zeros into one and then all these zeros into bank accounts, bottom line or whatever the case is. And then the banks go out and they do what's called fractional reserve lending, which means that if the Federal Reserve give, gives them just simple math, $100, they can lend out 90 of those dollars. Okay. If they bring in 100, they can lend out 90. And it's actually different for each bank. Like some banks have credit unions are usually a lot better at having fractional reserve lending oh. because they do a smaller amount of their overall like money that they bring in. Right, right. So, and that's because members and like all this other stuff. Anyway, some banks have basically a 0% reserve. So if they get in $100, they can lend out $100. Wow. Yeah. And so the really, really tricky part of this all is that basically a bank gets in $100. Well, they can lend... $100 or $90 to however many people they want. Basically, right. it's, it's essentially endless. And so when, so say that person takes that $90 and they deposit it in their bank, their bank now sees that they have $90. So they can lend out just, again, simple math, $80. And so the cycle continues around all these banks of the same thing. Yeah. So a, a guy named um, Mike, Mike Maloney, he does this great series. It's on YouTube and Take YouTube for what it's worth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he does this great series on uh, the secrets of money. And he goes through this. And he, he, he makes this visual representation of what all this money, what all this currency producing looks like. And I can't remember the exact figure they gave. But basically, you can start off with $100. And by the end of it, you've created uh, $2,700. Some large amount yeah. of money that you've just created out of thin air. It's so weird. It's, I, I, it, it, like, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around this. Mm -hmm. I wonder if anybody else struggles with that. Like, oh yeah, you're, you're so intelligent. You get all this stuff, but I hear it, and like in my mind, I'm just like, I get it, but I don't get it. Right. You know, it's a hard concept to understand because none of it exists. 
Yeah. Like that's why it's right? very it's, hard. Yeah. It's you know, like it, imaginary. Yeah. Because if I give you something tangible and you take, you divide it in half and you give half of that to something like that's tangible. You can understand that concept. But if I give you an imaginary number and then you give someone else an imaginary number and then they give someone else an imaginary number, it's like, well, like, where are we? Like what yeah. actually exists? And so that's part of the problem. So you've created, and it's something like there's, I mean, there's like $6 trillion in circulation currently. And so that is almost an unfathomable amount of money. Yes. And because of that, it's not tied to productivity or anything else. It's not tied to an increase in we've created the steam engine or you know something like that. It's literally just the Federal Reserve has, I mean, not even printed. They've literally just typed more dollars into all these bank accounts. There's not an increase in computers. There's not right. more computers available. It's just now there's all this money. The real problem actually is distributing it evenly because all those checks that they printed out, yes. you give every, you basically raise the boat, visualizing it. You're a boat sitting on an ocean. Well, you're basically raising the water level. And so for a split second, your boat is higher, but then you realize all the other boats are these. Right. Same so spot you're in you the are. same spot. Yeah. yeah. And so it gets to a point where the only way to cure inflation is to raise the interest rates to just a absolutely ridiculous level like we've never seen before, which would just kill the economy like outright. I mean, there's right. just, there's no way to do that. Or two, basically everyone just spends the money they get immediately. And there's been real world examples of all this. Well, I don't have any problem doing that. Well, right. Well, and I mean, neither did I. Neither did I. Because when all this COVID stuff first happened and they sent out that first, like, I think it was $1,200 or $1,400. Yeah. I can't remember. Immediately, I was like, I'm going to buy a gun. Right, right. So I went out. I got that check. I literally spent $1,150 of it on an AR-15. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is great. Well, you know, that money's gone. Yeah. Right? And uh, so it was, it was great. But you have to be the first at the – so there's this – again, I'm going to go off on, like, tons of yes, tactics. Yeah. But uh, there's this movie. I can't remember what it's called. It was like some, I think it's like a French movie or a Spanish movie. I can't remember. Anyway, it's on Netflix. Anyway, the whole concept. <laughs> yeah. The whole concept is, um, well, it's dubbed. So yeah. it's like, I, I, I just can't watch dubbed movies. Yeah. But the entire concept is it, it's essentially like a prison. And you can voluntarily go into this prison and basically have like all your expenses paid or something. Again, I can't remember the plot exactly, but basically you go into this prison voluntarily for a certain number of months. The catch is every week that you're in this prison, they, they switch where you're at. So it's a leveled jail. And so there's like one level, you know, level one all the way down to level like, I don't know, 300, whatever. And the catch is there's this platform that brings food down to every level. And so when you go into this prison voluntarily, you write down what your favorite food is or whatever it is. And so they put it on this platform. Well, it goes down and it stops at every level for a couple of minutes. So the, you know, if you're at prison level one, you have all this food available to you. Right. So you can take whatever you want, even if it's not your favorite food, even if, and so by the time it gets to, you know, level 300, I mean, there's nothing left. There's maybe a bone, um, like a chicken bone or something like that left. Toenail. Yeah. <laughs> and as it goes down, like people get more and more desperate. But your position in that prison changes on a week-by-week -week basis. So the first week, you could be a level two and be, you know, pretty good. Right. The next week, you could be level, you know, 200 and basically be starving to death for a week. Right. And so I kind of forgot where I was going with all this. But, <laughs> but, uh, but like, that's essentially, oh, yeah, so inflation. So that's essentially the way it works. So 
when everyone is like handing out all this money, if, if you get all this money, you better spend it immediately because otherwise the value of your currency is going to be so diminished that if you hold on to it, and, and this happened in the Weimar Republic, like right before, right, yeah, right before World War II, which is part of the reason why Germany went into war, because war, you know, if, if you start a war, that's a way to basically have your population, like, be busy. If, mm. if no one can work, well, then, you know, like, you're going to be bored really quick. Right. And, you know, anyway, so basically, all this currency gets handed out, or you work for it or whatever, and you have to immediately spend that, because the if you don't spend it, everyone else is going to spend it. And so then your your currency is devalued yes. regardless of your decision. And that's actually a really, that's just a human behavior thing. Yeah. And there's no way to control that because it's just human behavior. I mean, there's, and, and again, Mike Maloney, I mean, he goes over like all this and he, he really detailed, he dives deep into the Weimar Republic. And, and I actually did a research project on it when yeah. I was in, uh, when I was in college. And so I looked into like the Weimar Republic and how horrible everything was. Right. And literally it was something to where, and I'm sure most people have probably heard this, but it was, you, you were paid by the hour and you were, as you're leaving, you were paid whatever you earned that day. And sometimes it, I mean, eventually got to the point where it was like literal barrels of paper currency, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it's like, that was enough to buy a loaf of bread. Oh, wow. I mean, you would go into the grocery store grocery store with basically a pallet of money and come out with, you know, four or five things, maybe if you're lucky. Well, that's where we're headed. Exactly. Well, as people scroll through Facebook, there's tons of all these comparisons already. I mean, yeah. if you compare 2010, which, you know, back then, or even 2015, when I was making, you know, pretty good money as working in insurance and sales, I, mean, I had so much debt though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, even then, it's like you can go to the store, spend fifty bucks, and you're you're good for a week or two. Right now, you're good for a night. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, I mean, even just the other day, I mean, I went shopping with with my wife, and you know, we bought sixty dollars worth of things. <laughs> there was literally like six things. Yeah, I and know. I was just like, and granted, a little bit of that was I'm like trying to trying to do some things for my mouth and everything, but but even still, it's like even just the regular food items that I get, I'm looking at the itemized you know, receipt. And I'm like, Oh geez. Yeah. You're like, I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. It's very hard to be bougie anymore. Yeah. There's no bouge. Yeah. I know. I am. What's the opposite of bouge? Bougie. Uh, uh, I'm de bougie. De bougie. (laughs) Well, I heard, I heard bougie for the first time when I was in Mississippi Yeah. for the air force. And I was, I was like, I was just so taken back because I'm just not Right, we're not cool. With, yeah, yeah we so I was like, "What the hell is bougie?" You know, all these like right. eighteen, nineteen-year-olds fresh out of basic training. Yes. They're just like, "Oh, this is bougie." This is blah blah blah. I was like, "Okay, you guys are weird." Like, what's bougie? Yeah, me as a thirty-year-old now, I'm just like, "Oh gosh, <laughs> these it's young happened." Whippersnappers, you know? yeah. <laughs> not only are we like getting old, but we're getting old in Wyoming, so we really don't know oh, what's yeah. going on out there. Yeah, we are we are anti-bougie. Yes, yes. <laughs> for sure. Oh, it's so hard though because I love coconut water, and it used to be like three dollars a quart, and now it's like five dollars a quart. Oh, I know. And you're and, like, can I justify that? Well, because I, I think about it now, and I'm like, okay, so if I were to get one gallon of coconut water, that's twenty dollars. Yeah. Tw- oh my gosh, twenty dollars a gallon. Yeah, for coconut water. That's crazy. And so I'm just like, oh. And that is a lot when you think about it like that. It is, yeah. Twenty dollars a gallon, and I go through it pretty quick. So yeah. I love coconut water. Yeah, but anyway, I hate it. I yeah. think it's disgusting. Yeah. 
Oh my God, what are we gonna do? Okay, well, moving, moving on. But actually, before we move on, just one last thing to say about our original topic, man love. Before yeah. we go, <laughs> so my my like my basic viewpoint on really any governmental political figure or their proper term, public servant, because I don't think they should get paid at all. In fact, I should I believe they should have to pay to be a public servant. That's, yes, I think that would be good. Yeah. I feel like personally feel Leanne Manlove owes me at least five, six thousand dollars. I agree. I like that. Yeah. Uh my, my general take on public servants or, you know, any political figures is I want them to do as little as humanly possible. So that's why in, in for a DA it's a little different because they like prosecute people that are horrible yeah. people. So that's I mean, there there's a little wiggle room there. But in general, <laughs> any political figure like governor, state senator, house representative, anything. I literally want them to just sit on their thumbs. I want them to, I, I'm tired of them passing legislation. I'm tired of them making new rules. I'm tired of them like doing all yeah, these stupid. that is true. Yeah. It's like, stop spending the money that I'm involuntarily giving you. Stop your productivity. Yeah. And I put that in quotations and use it very, um, flippantly yeah because all they do is fuck shit up well and they just they make everyone's life harder and and again like especially with covid it's it's they go so far beyond what their actual job description or title or whatever is but beyond the realm of their authority and they're just like oh you have to put this thing on your face i'm just like actually i don't because i'm just not doing it anymore oh my gosh speaking of that so last weekend we had to take presley to the er for her eyes Oh, I bet that she, was fun. Yeah, so I walk in with Presley, and then Corey's parking, and then he comes in with Eli, and the nurse or whoever is up at the counter hands me a mask, so I take the mask and I put it in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, it's our policy that you wear a mask. I said, well, it's not my policy. Nope. So they're like, you know, they get all like, oh no, like call security. Yeah, no, no, yeah no, they always bring security. So then they tell us that me and Corey can't go back there. Oh, really, it was Eli. Eli was the issue. He uh-huh. couldn't go back there. I'm like, well, yes, he can. Yeah. Because guess what? He's four. He's our child. And, right. and so he, he's going to be with his parents. And right now, his parents are at the emergency room with their two-year-old whose eyes are, like, are going to fall out of her head. So actually, he is. Right. So they go get the charge nurse who comes Ooh. and talks to us. Yes. Mm. And he's like, well, you know, mask. I'm like, I'm not wearing a mask. I said, the, the CDC said that it's pointless anyway. Yeah. I said, it's nothing more than a facial, facial decoration. And guess what? My face is decorated enough. I'm like, so we're not wearing the mask. It's not happening. I said, furthermore, our son is going back with us. I said, because guess what? My two-year-old doesn't feel good. She's having a really shitty day. Mm -hmm. She is crying and not opening her eyes and goes once between me and her dad. And whichever one she wants, we want to be able to provide that for her. It's her only sense of comfort right now. So we're all going back. And guess what? We did. We all went back. Nobody wore a mask. The ER here sucks and they didn't do anything anyways. But we didn't have to have a lack of oxygen while doing it. It was fantastic. I felt like a real winner. And that's what needs to happen with all these people. Because I've even had experiences with the ER. And literally, I fight them tooth and nail with everything. Yeah. You know, because I have I have a business and I take care of uh, disabled individuals. And one of them, a couple, I think it was in January, 
she like broke her leg or sprained it or something. I don't even know what the hell happened. But anyway, <laughs> like she was at the ER. And so I had to go relieve one of my employees and getting into the ER. Yeah. You walk in and it's like, they're, they're living in a different world. Yes. I mean, and so I go in and I was like, yeah, can I just go back and see, like relieve my employee and get this person? And I was like, well, you, again, you have to put on a mask. And I was like, well, I'm just not doing it. And they're, just, they're like, oh, well, step aside. and Right. Yeah, and it, it turned into this whole fiasco. And eventually I got back there and just, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards and everything. But it annoys me so much because everyone else just goes along with it. I know. And I hate that so much. I literally, I looked at all these people and I used to see fellow city dweller you know, citizen. Yeah. I used to see them like, oh, okay, you know, probably, you know, 50 50 of like, you know, good patriotic, you know, Cheyennegans or, you know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, or, you know, Wyomingites or just, you know, people that just, they live in Cheyenne because they like a certain way of life. Right. And then with all this COVID crap and all these businesses saying that you have to do these things, everyone just, they just lockstep, they just went along with it. Right. And it pisses me off. I see people now and I'm just like, I none know. of you will stand up for anyone. None of you will raise an issue with anything. You're all just lemmings. And I just, I just don't like it anymore. I know. I don't even like to go out anywhere. No. Because it, it annoys me so much. It is getting a little better, like in grocery stores and stuff now. Yeah. But yeah, anything medical, anything, I'm just yep. like, great. If you want to wear a mask, then freaking wear one. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? I, yeah. I have no problem with that. I'm not going to tell you to take it off. I don't right. really care. Yeah. But I don't want to wear it, and I'm certainly not putting it on my four-year-old. Well, and that's the really horrible thing, is I'll see people now, and, and I mean, there was even videos that came out about this, like schools in New York, I mean, literally like taping masks to yes. these innocent children. This is disturbing, because this is on such a such a different level of child abuse yes. that I've ever seen. I mean, not I'm not condoning child abuse in any way, shape, or form, I, whatever, but it's like it, I would almost prefer child, and again, this is going to sound really bad, but I'm just saying it because we would, are not PC. Yeah, no, but <laughs> but I would prefer child abuse to stay in the realm of like beating something that's noticeable. You can see it, and you can just clearly identify with the the disturbing factor that it is. Because you know, a, a black eye or a broken bone or whatever, like that's disturbing because you're causing these kids like physical pain and you're, you know, potentially ruining like how their growth plates and all this kind of stuff, and you're causing them mental trauma and it you, but you can physically see it. But then all this other stuff of just wear the mask or, yes. or giving them these experimental gene therapies that literally change your DNA. You don't necessarily see that, but yet everyone's just going along with it. Like, oh, that's what we have to do. Yes, and it is disturbing. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was talking to my friend the other night, and she's like, yeah, my um, three-year-old granddaughter, my my daughter-in-law, who's a flaming liberal, you know, is so happy because uh, whichever one, Pfizer, Moderna, is coming out with the COVID shot for, you know, six months and up. And she's like, and I just hope that she doesn't get it because then what if she's, like, infertile for the rest of her life? Mm. that is scary and it is abusive like that you know you're making these decisions for these little tiny people that's like in a a, could potentially affect them for the whole rest of their life cause them you know mental anguish physical anguish Mm -hmm. blah 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 blah, and everybody's just going along with it oh yeah and and they're excited about it right i mean i don't know how many videos and things i've seen because i mean i my news sources are usually uh you know kind of out of the mainstream because i don't I don't watch like CNN or Fox or anything, any of that garbage because it's just propaganda. But anyway, yeah. so like, you know, I've, 
honestly, TikTok and, and Facebook reels and the short clips from YouTube and things like those are actually great barometers of where society is because there's so many people that are making videos now and they're just like, Oh my, uh, like I've gotten my, you know, fifth booster and I'm, you know, my eyes falling out and I'm having heart palpitations. I'm in the hospital every other week, but I'm just, I didn't get COVID. I'm right, so I happy. I didn't get a cold. I'm yeah. good. Or, or even it's even worse. There's like, Oh yeah, I got COVID, but it would have been so much worse if I had, if right. I didn't have the shot. I was like, obviously don't understand anything about biology or right. how the human body works or even what this thing is and what it does. Yeah. You know, I got COVID and I literally was super tired, like super tired for a day mm -hmm. and didn't feel great for three days and I couldn't taste anything for a week and then it was fine. Yeah. It's almost like viruses either naturally occurring or man-made have been around for quite a while and humans have gotten, it, it's almost like we have this thing in our body that was designed to take care of any kind of virus or bacteria or fungus or anything that, you know, invades our body, invades our space. It, it's almost like something like that exists innate in our body. I know. Isn't that weird? I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, I, I remember before 19, what was the first one developed? 1930. Everyone just died all the time because we didn't have these wonderful pharmaceutical companies just injecting just chemicals and just great things yeah, in I mean, our it was body terrible. we have like yeah. 10 people in the whole world and, yeah i know yeah. and luckily one of those people invented these and and now here we are i know yeah i'm just i'm just so thankful yes. for i'm thankful for ddt for yes. protecting our crops from just you know insects and and just you know normal things that exist in the world i'm so thankful <laughs> to pfizer and moderna for changing you know 200 and whatever million people's dna and i'm so happy for just all these things that just make life so much like bill gates just buying up just tons I of know. farmland and and creating all these like chemical fertilizers that you have to purchase and you can't grow anything without them you without these giant companies like monsanto and you have to purchase seeds from them because normal heirloom seeds don't really exist anymore and you just yeah, awesome. no one knows how to save seeds and oh uh, my gosh so okay <laughs> speaking of moderna or pfizer or whichever one okay okay so i i heard apparently you heard about the whole will smith oscars thing where he like punched chris rock because he said something to jada pinkett smith about her shaved head yeah uh, will smith um did the most pansy thing ever and slapped a grown man yes. with an open palm they're both actors but they were not acting at that right moment. anyway yes well so i heard and i don't know if this is true whatever but i heard that pfizer i believe it was just came out with some type of alopecia mm -hmm. drug mm -hmm. that amazingly enough nobody had ever heard before that jada pinkett smith suffered from alopecia but we did hear about it that night and her husband made a total ass out of himself for that reason so i just thought that was interesting like hmm well, yeah, and Pfizer was a uh, was a partial sponsor to the. Yes, Oscars. exactly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what. I, yeah, that's. And, yeah, I guess I didn't uh, yeah, bring that together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pfizer sponsored the Oscars. Yeah. Oh, and you know it's so funny too because you know if if they sponsor something usually there's a reason for that and it just so happens I don't know if anyone's ever watched news channels like CNN or Fox News or anything but. What are the commercials that always come on in between the commercial breaks? Right. Oh, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna. Well, yes. not Moderna because this is the first thing they've ever actually brought to market. And it just so happens that their experimental cancer drug just won over the FDA. Yeah. And there was no reading into it anyway. But it's like literally I watch these shows because Hannah's parents constantly yes. watch this stuff. And every commercial is for this drug 
That's it's either for you know like the. Did you wake up this morning? Were you tired? We have a drug for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a fucking human. Yeah. yeah exactly, like yeah. you have a drug. You have a drug <clears throat> for my life. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. There's only two countries in the world that allow prescription drug companies to actually advertise on television. Yes, that's true. And Us and New Zealand. Yeah. And it just so happened. I mean, New Zealand went completely off the rails with this COVID stuff. They had three people come down with it and they shut down their entire country. In yeah. fact, they're still in lockdown. Oh I think. my God. Don't quote me on that, but I like they're, they're literally still in lockdown and the prime minister or I don't know what the hell. Yeah. Their, I don't like, either. President person. But, Head in New Zealand. Yeah. Whatever. She is absolutely like the most tyrannical crazy person i have ever seen in my entire life like she needs some serious help and i mean i don't know she's crazy yeah anyway she looks crazy she sounds crazy in fact there's even there were clips not so much anymore because most of this covid stuff has kind of died down yeah at least like talking about it i mean there was a clip a while ago where it was some reporters were asking her questions of you know oh you know are you planning like this this will make life difficult for these people that aren't quote unquote vaccinated and and all this and she's like yeah that's the point that's literally <laughs> what we want we want them to suffer and i was like oh wow that's like, terrifying well, she's a peach yeah it's like oh this, i'm so glad <laughs> okay. i live in this country yeah i, I wanted You're to like, just get me the hell out yeah i ran are you accepting new people I mean, yeah, come on seriously. my god oh. but oh. anyway we can we can move on to other things <laughs> okay, so what else is interesting? Okay, so I did I did want to go over this because it yeah. is kind of interesting to me. So just flipping through your notes. Just there. flipping through my notes, yep. <laughs> so in April of twenty twenty-five, uh-huh. Wyoming will be blessed with a woman's named Darla Rouse's presence. She has been incarcerated in Lusk for the last 25 years. Why, you ask? Let me tell you. I'm all ears. So, okay. Darla Rouse, who is now 44 years old, was convicted in 1996 of kidnapping an elderly couple in Gillette, Wyoming. At that time, she was sentenced to 53 years to life. So, at this time, she was 19 and was with her boyfriend, Jay Bull. They were supposedly very in love. They lived in Texas, and he he escaped from a county jail and decided that um, they should, like, go on a crime spree. So, so they leave Texas, and then, lucky for Gillette, they ran out of gas and money in Gillette. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, they put their heads together, and they decided the best thing to do would be to kidnap this poor elderly couple, 69 and 64 years old, at gunpoint, Hmm. and steal their truck and their fifth wheel. So they time all up and stuff and leave, like head towards Montana. They worked up quite an appetite. As as one would do. Yeah, I mean, kidnapping somebody would be very tiresome, take a lot of energy. It burns a lot of calories. Yeah. So they decided that they would stop at Pizza Hut. They stop at Pizza Hut, go in, they get food. They did not get food for the Rockneys, I might add. Well, you know, they probably weren't all that hungry. Well, it's true, but but luckily for, for Rose Rockney, <laughs> she used this time that they were in Pizza Hut to loosen herself and jump out of this vehicle. And yeah, then they were rescued, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, Darla and Jay ended up 
getting into a high-speed chase on I-90 and getting caught and blah, blah, blah. That all happens. They go to court. It was really sad. So uh, during the trial, Darla's co-defendant, this Jay guy who loved her so much, turned on her, of course, said it was all of her idea. Oh, man. I know. I know. And then Darla's public defender became ill in the middle of the trial. So, I mean, just all these things against poor Darla. Just oh my poor gosh. Darla. Darla. I mean, first you kidnap somebody, and then your damn attorney gets sick. I mean, who can predict? You just, you can't catch a break. I know. So, the judge was, was not sympathetic at the time, and he sentenced her to 53 years to life. Oh. Yeah. So she was, you know, sent along her merry way. Well, so for the past, you know, 20 years, she's been trying to get out of jail. So she apparently has been, you know, a model inmate, blah, blah, blah. I, I actually know her. I, I know her. I've, I've spent time with her. I've spoken to her. Oh, yeah? And yes, she is, she is very quiet. She is very, I guess you would say good. But, I mean, what what is your other choice? You know what I mean? So anyways, right. she's, she spent all this time getting meetings with probation and parole, trying to get her sentence commuted. They've probation and parole has said like, yeah, okay. Take it to the governor. So the, our last governor always said, no, like that's not going to happen. But this governor is just so much more lenient and he really, he has a heart of gold. He really does. So uh, he decided that she can go ahead and walk out of prison, a free woman in April of 25. Huh. So I was just wondering kind of, kind of what you thought about that. Well, one, there's many other cases that I have heard about that surprisingly have very similar tales. Basically these couples or these people go on these murder sprees and they, they always happen to find the nicest couple. And usually yeah. they're, you know, Christians and they're just trying to help out or, you know, whatever yes. the case is. And they just get caught up in these horrible, horrible people's plans that they either end up dead or, I mean, I don't know if this couple did end up dying in their No, care no, or, they survived. I'm sure it was very impactful for their life. And yeah, traumatizing. Probably, yeah, probably ruined a couple things, probably had some injuries and things. Yeah. There is always that. So anytime that there's super innocent people involved in some person's evil schemes or plans, I always basically just want them. This is when basically we kind of come back to the original thing of this is the one time I do want the DA to just end, just ruin their life. Yes. I, I want them prison for the rest of their life. I want, I mean, I am all for capital punishment. So I'm all for like bringing back death penalty and all this. And personally, maybe this is me going a little too far, but it's like, However you have ended someone's life, that's how your life should be ended. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, because I definitely think that would deter quite a few people, especially even the really evil people like Ted Bundy and, and what's his name, Charlie Manson. Manson yeah. I mean, I guess he didn't technically kill anyone, but still. <laughs> but, you know, like all these people, it's like, you know, you should, you know, not necessarily to go back to the kind of eye for an eye thing, but it's really the capital punishment is not strictly for like punishment for the crime that someone has done. Really, it's supposed to be used more as a deterrent for keeping other people from doing similar or the same thing. Well, yeah. Well, and I think ultimately it's like if you're evil enough, even one time mm -hmm. to do something like that, right. then you should no longer be on this earth. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean. Like there is something to say for redemption, but in, in a lot of these cases, it's very clear that either the way that we do 
prison and, and things like that in this country. It just doesn't rehabilitate these people. Yeah. And I don't know. I think there is a legitimately a percentage of the population that they don't have the capacity to be rehabilitated in the first place. Well, and, yeah. And what's frustrating to me about this is, like I said, I, I know her. I've heard her talk, blah, blah, blah. And, and she doesn't. I, yes, she has proclaimed her, like, sincere apologies, mm-hmm. supposedly as, you know, born again, changed women, blah, blah. But really, like, in the prison, mm-hmm. if you talk to her, it's all about, none of it was really her fault. It was right. just her mean boyfriend. Right. You know what I mean? So using that, like, woman privilege card, you oh, know, yeah. you know, he talked me into it. He, How do you go from you're sitting around your your backyard one night and you're like yeah tomorrow let's uh let's hop in the car and and let's drive till we can't drive anymore and then let's kidnap a poor old couple hold them at gunpoint until we get hungry and they just happen to escape like i truly believe if she wouldn't have been able to escape they would have killed them oh absolutely you know what i mean so i so the fact that they didn't die is not like one of them came to their senses or you know they she just got away right this poor 64 year old woman literally jumped out of vehicle that she was being held captive in and Mm -hmm. then got away had it not been for her courageous behavior her and her husband probably would have been killed oh yeah so it's like yeah okay great if she's changed great if she's a nice person now but how do you wrap your head around we're just gonna let somebody that is capable of doing something like that back out i i don't doesn't seem right well i i mean i agree because it's i mean for me i would always go back to kind of the original ruling and the justification for that ruling and i use that in other areas of my life as well for other things but anyway so for the original judge sentencing her to 50 years 53 years 53 years to life and so it's like why was that sentence so harsh what was his justification and at that time was it something that was so beyond the pale that it justified this type of sentencing? Yeah. And so, and that's, I think, kind of part of a slippery slope with society as a whole, because anytime, and I'll use, you know, Ted Bundy as kind of an example, is something to where, you know, we do see Ted Bundy and we saw what he did of, you know, killing and, and raping these girls and doing everything that, and then kind of later on, something else happens and because you've been exposed to this previous horror, what they do, if it's even a little bit less or on the same kind of level that they did, it's like, oh, well, you know, we've kind of seen this before. And so I know. It's like everyone's so jaded or something. Exactly. It's, yep. I, I don't know. And it's just, it's not that I don't think nobody deserves mercy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think people deserve mercy. I, I've been granted mercy and that's great. But when you're talking about doing like horrendous, torturous things that really either scar or ultimately like end somebody's life or mm-hmm. something, I just, I don't understand why they get to be shown mercy. Yeah. Anything that deals with actual harm brought onto a person, you know, by your actions, yeah, especially if it is directly, because it's not like they were just like, oh, we stumbled across these kidnapped people. <laughs> But it's something to where they specifically caused harm in very specific ways to these people. And so I I agree. It's like that kind of a thing deserves a different level of punishment or rehabilitation or whatever, rather than, you know, just like, oh, you forgot to pay your taxes or whatever the case is. Exactly. And I I sort of feel like our governor is like a spineless 
Noodle Man or oh, something. Because it's our last governor. Who was it? Mead? Yeah. Yeah. He would never let her out. I think the Rockneys have finally died. Because, I mean, 25 years ago, they were 64 and 69. Right. So I, I assume that they have passed away, which probably plays some somewhere into it. But it's like our Governor Gordon now. Yeah. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. So Noodle Man is at his desk and sees Darla Rouse's sad sob story come across his desk. And he's like, yeah, well, they're dead now. And she hasn't really done anything bad in prison. Mm -hmm. So let's just let her out what she's a woman and, and the prison says she's been good. So, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. So I'm like, okay, great. So, if she gets out and she does something horrendous, do we then get to go and hold Governor Gordon personally responsible for that? I'm not saying I, she could get out and do wonderful things mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I hope she does. But who would responsibly take that risk? Well, exactly. And I think that's something because all this kind of started in 2018. There were a whole bunch of people that have been up for parole and up for uh, just, you know, kind of commuting their sentences. And this was a big like kind of Trump thing as well and kind of a lefty thing as well because they've always been on yeah you know like get everyone out of prison yeah don't no one should be punished for anything yeah it's like oh they they all just made mistakes and they all just holding stuff for their friends mental health mental yeah health. yeah mental health yeah and uh, so you know all this started in 2018 and it's there's been you know campaigns and even like the Kardashians have been a part of yeah. it of getting these people out that's just where I have a huge problem because it, this is probably going to sound a little hypocritical but in all of these cases, unless you really dive deep into them, you don't know the full justification of why they were given certain sentences or why they were arrested in the first place or whatever happened. So, I mean, even even us, it's like we can look into this and 15, 20 minutes, however long. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you met the person, so that's a little different. Yeah. But for the average person, because there's lots of other podcasts and they cover lots of other stories and these all sad poor people that are in prison and all this, and they do either the minimum amount of research research, or they do a very little bit that's not adequate to cover the entire thing and the entire situation of what happened. And then they make these, these assertions of they should be let out. They should be given a reduced sentence. They should be commuted. They, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. You don't even know. It's like, you don't know very basic things about very basic things just in your normal life. Yeah. And you're, you're putting these assumptions on these people should be left at, let out of prison. And it's like this weird double-edged sword, though, because some people are legitimately put in prison for things they didn't commit, and yeah. DNA testing is like proof I mean, of that. But. Well, and I think, so as long as you're not talking about someone who actually was put in prison for something they didn't do, and that does happen, and that's right. terrible, and that should be fixed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, you know, I I know this woman because I was in prison with her. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been in prison, I've been in trouble you know, at the time of my sentencing, I was looking at, I could have been put in prison for up to 25 years. The district attorney asked for 15 years for me. And the judge who had my whole file, who had all of my, you know, stuff about me, blah, 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 decided that I should go for two to four years. Mm -hmm. You know, that's probably the most objective point in time at the time of sentencing Mm -hmm. fairly fresh of you know the crime being committed Mm -hmm. right after all the the interviews the psychiatrist the everybody puts all this stuff together about you that's probably going to be the most accurate time exactly to be sentenced because yes of course 10 years after that happens i'm a different person right but who was i at that moment 
what caused me to do what I did? What caused Darla to do what she did? Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm going to sit in prison for 25 years, you have nothing else to do than to read the Bible, become a born again Christian, write some really touching things Mm -hmm. and, and be nice to people, you know, but who were you and what drove you to commit such a terrible thing? And that's why that sentencing, I think, should be held with the highest regard. Right. Because right. I think it's probably the most accurate. Uh, can there be mistakes? Sure. Right. But I don't think this was one of those mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. think a 53 year to life sentence is inappropriate when you kidnap two people at gunpoint with the intention of, I mean, ultimately, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, let's take them and throw them a party, right. you know, like, clearly, yeah, <laughs> obviously, ultimately, the plan was to steal everything they could from them and, right. and then to kill them. Yeah. You know, at the very least, leave them, steal everything from them and then like leave them for dead. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're old. So, I mean, you know, you can't just leave old people out in the middle of January or whatever the hell month it was in, in the middle of Wyoming and think they're going to survive. Right. I mean, these people had terrible intentions. Yeah. What what brought you to that point? That doesn't go away. You can you can push it down. You can silence it. Mm-hmm. You can. But but ultimately, that does not go away. Oh, yeah. And and so I just think that these commuting of sentences and all this stuff is kind of scary because they're going to be out here like, you know, around where my children are, where your children are. And it's like, I don't. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's something to where in, in the 70s, this I mean, this is like kind of on a different topic, but it's somewhat related. So just give me with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because this is where my mind goes, because, <laughs> you know, we're talking about all these people being having their sentences commuted. I just think back in history and I'm like, at the end of the sixties, early seventies, there was a period of American history where we were, we were closing down and eliminating these different mental health facilities that were basically just housing all these crazy people, you know, transients and like all these different things. And they served a very important purpose because you were keeping these people out of regular society because they just couldn't function in society for one reason or another. And so when you start closing all these down and then you let all these people out, Without, I mean, especially without any kind of major plan of how to deal with them. You're just like, oh, you're free now, you know, and it's some, this is a bad analogy, but it's like some birds who have their wings clipped, if you let them out into the free will of society and you let them, you know, do what they need, what they do. Yeah, they will die. Yeah, they'll, they'll either die or they'll, and so you start letting all these people out and that is what you're doing. You're, you're polluting in my opinion, they're doing it intentionally, but you're polluting the overall society and you're making it worse because since the sixties, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't think the average person, especially if you go to places like Los Angeles and and different parts of California, I I really don't think that closing down all these mental facilities, letting these people, I don't think that was the smartest decision because now you have a very large portion of the population that exists that now needs constant medication. Constant, yeah, look at uh, me. I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that, right. that is a bitch. I, let me tell you, right. you know, well, I mean, because, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, because you then don't know, if you don't know how to take care of, I mean, it's, it's exactly like an animal raised in captivity all of its life. You put it back in the wild and very often they don't survive very mm-hmm. long because they don't know how to survive. Well, and my problem is, is that back to this case, it's, it's like so evil. It's like what they did was so evil. I I think that there could be situations where maybe people were sentenced too harshly, like 
let's say you didn't pay your taxes for 25 years, you know what I mean? And you owe the government all this money and you were sentenced to 30 years. I mean, you didn't torture anyone's soul, you know what I mean? But, but you kidnap somebody and, you know, you lead them to believe they're going to die. And that, that's like torturing their soul. I mean, that's like very, I'm sure they thought about it every day. Up until they died. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and oh, yeah. probably in their next life, if if you believe in that, you know, they'll still have some weird trauma. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. I Yeah, governor. Who's our governor now? Gordon. Gordon, you're a noodle. You are a freaking worthless, useless noodle. Well, I just, it's very unfortunate the way Wyoming politics are. And this is, again, again I can't go into, like, something a little different. But because... In 2018, when there were a whole bunch of people running for governor, because Wyoming is a is a relatively conservative state, at least the voters think they are. Yeah, if that makes sense. So there were there were several people running. There was Harriet Hagman, uh, Sam Eliopis, or however you pronounce his last name, I don't remember. There was Governor Gordon, or yeah, at the time Secretary of Treasury. I think he was the Treasury Secretary uh, for the state of Wyoming under the Meade administration. Mm-hmm. So he was running. There was one person in the Democrat, Mary Throne or Thorne or whatever oh, yeah. her name was. She had no shot. She's uh, like, she was a radical. She's a crazy person. But, <laughs> but uh, like, you know, she was running and then there were, there were a lot of people running on the, cons- the Republican side of things. And it split the vote so much that the establishment kind of candidate got in. And that's typically what happens. Yeah. And so, you know, Governor Gordon, he, he got in and. I mean, there's been lots of reports about his, you know, kind of drunken behavior and, and all this kind of stuff. I don't think he's up to the task. That seems to be a reoccurring theme in our leadership in the country. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a useless vegetable, right. we want you. The game is rigged that way. Yeah. You know, specifically because of, oh, and uh, that guy that died recently, what was his name? Um, Like the billionaire, millionaire. Do you remember? I'm trying to blank. Oh, I don't remember. But he died recently, but he was also running. And so he was really popular, but he split the vote enough for Gordon to come yeah. through. So, because it's like the primaries and, and crossover voting and like this whole thing. It's really annoying. But, but yeah, basically, so Gordon got in and he's just, he's just not equipped to handle this stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, really, I hope he doesn't get reelected. I, that's my, that's my hope. I, I hope with all this COVID bullshit, yeah. Wyoming, you know, we kind of woke up and he won't get reelected. Who knows though? I know. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still elect Cheney every time. So, you know, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if there's that much hope. <laughs> so to recap for today, Leanne Manlove is a fat, useless district attorney that may or may not have her current license to practice law soon. Right. Our governor is a useless noodle and Darla Rouse will, will grace our presence in April of 25. So that's, that's good. All the old people with fifth wheels beware. Oh, okay. Yeah. For, uh, it took me a second to get on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's all we got. So thank you. And yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah, definitely tune in for the Cheyennegans podcast. We really try to release these about once a week. We're starting to get into this. This is, of course, a brand new podcast, but trying out different things. If you do have any questions, comments, or you just want to complain at us or anything, you can, of course, email us at info, so I-N-F-O, at Cheyennegans.com.
So send us any questions, comments, uh, anything that you, if we got anything wrong, if you got anything right, if you share our opinions, if you disagree with us, if you'd like to come on, definitely just send us, you know, an email at info at and we will kind of go from there. So tune in next time and I hope everyone has a great rest of their uh, time. See ya.